Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. We appreciate you spending this time with us, and we hope to provide some amazing value. And I can honestly say in confidence, I don't think I've taken as many notes in the warm-up for a podcast as I have with our guests coming up. I'm excited to help declutter or make our space clutter-free with Tracy McCubbin, America's decluttering company. Thank you so much for being on the call, Tracy. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here. And it's a pleasure to have you. We're excited to jump into the world of decluttering our lives. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our audience and tell them who you are and pretty much how you got into the space that you're in. Oh, excellent. So my name is Tracy McCubbin. I own a company called Declutterfly, and we are America's top decluttering company. I've been in business for 14 years. I've decluttered over thousands and thousands of homes. And I'm also the author of a book called Making Space Clutter-Free, the last book on decluttering you'll ever need. So that came out about a year and a half ago. It's an Amazon bestseller. There's an audio. People are loving it. So what makes me a little bit different is I dive into the emotional part of clutter. I'm not, you know, I can tell you like with like and put it in bins and label it, but why are you hanging on? And I came by this, I came, you know, it's funny, no rain, no rainbows. I love that because I came to opening my business from what didn't seem like a, it seemed like a circuitous route. Like I kind of had all these jobs that I was like, oh, that's not for me. That career is not for me. I don't want to do this. And then when I opened my business, everything I had done in the past added up to this, which was a really amazing so that what sort of at sometimes looked like a failure, like, oh, I didn't make that happen, actually ended up being a great asset for starting my business. Yeah, I was a personal assistant. I was a bookkeeper. I was a secretary. I watered plants. I was an actress. I was a waitress. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I did everything. And it gave me just a really solid building block. And then the other component is I'm the child of a hoarder. My father is an extreme hoarder and still is. So I've spent my whole life watching someone really struggle with their relationship with their stuff. And it gave me an empathy to understanding that it's emotional for people, like a really understanding the shame that goes with it and, you know, trying to help people make a change to just make their life the best it can be. Yeah. That's so amazing. Cause they're right there in, in that intro, there were a couple questions that I had written down that that's weaved in with that kind of how clutter relates to our relationship with the stuff around us and really kind of what exactly clutter is and why it's so important to declutter. So I know that's a lot of questions I threw at you. <laughs> I'm going to start with what exactly is clutter and why do we have such a hard time with it? So clutter, it's so interesting. So clutter is, you know, there's this whole thing right now. Everybody's got to be a minimalist and what, you know, you got a capsule wardrobe and 30 things. That's not for everybody. It's not for me. I'm a professional declutterer. I have a big house full of stuff, but it's when your stuff, the best way I can describe it is, do you feel like you don't own your stuff anymore, but your stuff owns you? 
So are you, do you pay for storage units outside the house that are costing you money that you don't have? You know, do you have rooms in your house that you can't use because they're full of stuff that you never use? Do you have to clear the clothes off your bed every night before you go to bed? Is the stuff getting in the way? So you have to spend extra time and energy managing your stuff to just do your daily routine. So that's really the definition of clutter. It's not, you know, somebody said to me, you know, I collect, I don't know, roosters, anything with a rooster on it. And I love it. It makes me so happy. And I come home to roosters. That's not clutter. It makes you happy. But if you have a storage unit full of rooster paraphernalia that you're paying $400 a month for, and you're unemployed right now, that has just become clutter because there's a real cost. So when your stuff starts costing you emotionally and financially, then it steps into being clutter. Now, what makes it so hard for us to let go of that? Because when you say $400 a month, there are people who are like, okay, $50 a month for the gym is too much for me, but that can serve them. Meanwhile, that storage unit, they say, oh, but what if I need those rooster items one day? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's interesting. So we're, and I'm sure that you've talked about this with your other guests, you know, we're humans are meaning making machines, right? We make meaning out of everything. So our stuff comes to us as just an object, right? It's just a book or it's just a photograph. It has no meaning. And we dump all this meaning on it. You know, well, that was my letterman's jacket when I played football in high school. And those were my happiest days. Or that was the shirt I wore on the first date with my fiance. And then we broke up and that makes me sad. So we put all this emotion on it. And what happens when we no longer need the items, the emotion is still wrapped up in it. So I call those a clutter blocks, Mm -hmm. that there are these literally stories that we've written about our stuff and blocks us from letting go. And there are seven of them. There's seven different clutter blocks. I write about them in my book, Making Space Clutter Free. And there are these stories and we get wrapped around the axles and we hang on and we pay for those storage units that we can't afford because how could I possibly let go of this? Yeah. So I want to help encourage some of our listeners to start this process, right? Because I can honestly tell you, Tracy, that there are things right now in my immediate vicinity outside of the camera <laughs> on my desk that probably needs to be decluttered. And I'm going to be the guinea pig for our, our listeners and just help me out. What are the benefits of me clearing out my desk at the very minimum? <laughs> oh, it's so, first of all, we're just going to start with the science of it. So much research has been done that clutter increases your stress. You know, we only have the capacity for so much in our brain. And the more things you add into your environment, the more stressful you get. The other thing is, and I don't know if you've talked about this with your listeners at all, but something called decision fatigue. Have you talked about this at all? We mentioned it a couple of times. We haven't gone in depth. Yeah. So basically the quick interview part is that the part of your brain that makes decisions gets tired very fast. And the more decisions that you make, the more tired your brain gets and it defaults to making bad decisions. Mm -hmm. So when you wake up in the morning, you're like, today is going to be a steamed broccoli and grilled chicken day. And then, you know, you work till 11 o'clock at night and you're like, why am I eating pepperoni pizza? (laughs) (laughs) Because you've made all these decisions all day and your brain can't make a good decision. So clutter, every piece of clutter, everything in your life is a decision. Where does this live? Do I need it? Where should I put it away? Do I need to clear it off my desk? So you're just dumping all these decisions on your brain. You know, it's famously like, 
you know, President Obama only wore black, white, or gray. He mm. all of his clothes match. She's like, I have too many important decisions to make. I'm taking that off. You know, Einstein was the same way. Steve McQueen, like a lot of people just are like, let me take these decisions. So by having to make the decisions about clutter, you're increasing your stress. Mm, yep. The more and things we, you have around you, the more decisions you have to make. And uh, even just to, I know there's a statistic about workplace affairs typically happen after an overtime shift and a large amount of them, a large percentage of them happen at the end of the work shift. So that's pretty much after making a full day of decisions. It's when you make a bad decision, start making the bad decisions. Um, When was there? See, nothing, nothing good ever happens after two o'clock in the morning. We all, (laughs) my mom knew what she was talking about. Darn it. (laughs) Um, I want to go ahead. Go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, so there's the stress, right? You're raising your stress. But then you're also clutter eats up time. You have to manage your stuff. Like if you want to get dressed in the morning and you're digging through your laundry basket, that adds 15 minutes. You mm-hmm. shake it out. You know, time is our most important asset. Time is the one thing we can't buy back, right? You can't get more time added to your life. I mean, you can by doing some health hacks, but you know, you have the life that you have. So the more time you men you spend managing your stuff, the more time you're cleaning out your garage and you're not able to go for the bike ride, that's, you know, that's eating up such a valuable resource in your life. So those are the big reasons, the stress, the time and the money, which we oh, yeah. talked about. And that hurts us in all of those areas. So now I'm convinced I'm going to start cleaning up everything up. I'd like to get a little bit of a, maybe a glimpse into your life and your experience with declutter. Is there a time where you were surrounded by clutter and how did you clean that up? So I, because I grew up with my father, the hoarder, I've always lived a pretty minimalist life. I don't, I travel a lot. I, I like to, when I was a little, we lived in a camper van for a year in Europe. So I like to have a pretty small footprint. But I have been in thousands and thousands and thousands of homes and watched families, people, couples, single people deal with clutter. So I have a front row seat. And the first place that I tell people to start is what's your why? Why do you want to declutter? What's your vision? Like, because there's so much shame around clutter. There's so much like, I'm a bad person. I don't clean my room. You know, I want that. I'm just so. I just, I'm so tired of that. I just feel so, you know, we beat ourselves up for so much. Let's come at it from the positive. So what do you want to gain? Do you want to be able to eat at the dining room table with your family? Do you want to have company over? Do you want your morning routine to just be a little smoother, right? Start with your why, start with your vision, and then work backwards from there and hold that vision in your head. So don't beat yourself up. Oh, I've been messy my whole life. Who cares? Who cares? Where are you today? What do you want to do moving forward? Today's a new day. You want to have an easier morning routine? You know, get rid of a bunch of the products in your kitchen. Get your clothes down. Pick your uniform. That'll get your day started. That's the positive, right? It's so much easier to move towards positive behavior than to move, you know, keep the bad, you know, it's like you don't think about the elephant. You just think about the elephant. Yeah. So, (laughs) exactly. I know there's somebody listening and it seems as though, especially when you talk about the why, the the desire to declutter has to be there, but there's somebody probably listening right now that's like, hey, Tracy, you know, there's 
things all over my desk, but I know exactly where they are. My room is a mess, but I know exactly where it is. I don't lose my car keys. They're underneath my hat that I wore two days ago on the couch. What do you say to those people who are like, I'm good? Well, first of all, I say, I've been, this is not my first rodeo. I'm like, oh, you know where it is. It's somewhere in that room. Can you put your hands on it in five minutes? Can you put your hands on it in 30 seconds? Right. And look, if you can and it works for you, great. I'll step out of the way. But most of the time, the people that come to me and say, I love my clutter, you know, I, I just, it comforts me. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't have to have people over. Like, when that conversation starts to happen, then I realize, oh, what are you hiding from? Like, what are you building in the same way that, you know, we'll use food or drinking, like, you know, overeating to feel better about ourselves? Like, are you using your stuff to keep other people at a distance? Yeah. So this, I mean, I feel like this is therapy in a way. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> I, I joke all the time with my clients, but as they're talking and I'm like, you know, there's a shrink in Beverly Hills. that's getting about four fifty an hour to do what we're doing here. So you're getting a deal. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you mentioned the emotional aspect of it because decluttering the things around you is also working on decluttering the emotion. What has seeing that transition been like? And when you take that approach, how do people react to that? I mean, it's amazing. Like, you know, I wish I could just wallpaper my office with the things that I got back from people. Like this weekend, we were able to just grab the bikes and go for a ride or a friend. I I have a private Facebook group, which I'll mention at the end, if anyone wants to join for some extra support. And one of the women, she took all, we did a little challenge, like take all the donations you already have in your house that you just haven't taken. She had them all on her back deck and she cleared them off, dropped them off, came back, and it was right in the height of the pandemic. A friend was walking by. She was able to invite them on the deck for coffee, which they hadn't seen each other in months, but she'd gotten all the donations off. So there's always this immediate payoff, right? The grandkids can come and visit. You can have a buddy over. You start dating somebody, right? Mm-hmm. You know? So the payoff is always immediate. And you're just less stressed. You're just less stressed. And most of the time, you don't miss what you let go of. Yeah. So- You mentioned, don't think of the elephant. And I've used this analogy so many times on the podcast in terms of don't bite the elephant, don't eat the elephant. You do one bite at a time Mm -hmm. in your approach with decluttering. Cause some people might think of, I have my whole refrigerator and there's probably milk from two years ago in the back. And there's probably (laughs) an onion I cut in half that I haven't seen. And it's moldy. Do I have to do the refrigerator, the whole kitchen? Like what kind of approach do we take? You and I speak the same language. Eat the elephant one bite at a time. Start small. You know, a whole bunch of small successes adds up to a huge success. So I always tell people, start with a small area. Don't start with an emotional area. Don't start with letters from your, you know, mom who passed away. You know, start with like the junk drawer or one shelf in your closet. And the reason that we do that is it's manageable. You can get it done. You feel what it feels like. Oh, this feels so good. I accomplished something and I can see less clutter. And then you step to the next one. And then you step to the next one. Because what happens is people, I call them my weekend warriors, where they'll pull their whole garage out and they're like, we're going to declutter. And after about 20 minutes, they're like, we're watching Netflix. Yeah, Can you come over? (laughs) So I don't want that to, I want everybody out there to be successful at this process. So 
Rome didn't get cluttered in a day. This has taken a while. So start small, be successful, build, and also understand your tolerance. If this doesn't come naturally to you, eight hours of decluttering is exhausting. Work for 20 minutes. You know, set yourself up to succeed. We so, so often we set ourselves up to fail. So, you know, take some of your great lessons you learned about working out or how to be productive at work and apply it to this. Start small, be successful, you know, work your plan, plan your work, you know, and if you need help, ask for help. That's the other thing that people, if this doesn't, if you, you know, if if you said to me, I think I want to take up violin, but I've never played it. I'd say, well, let's find you a violin teacher. If decluttering and organizing doesn't come naturally to you, ask for help. Mm -hmm. Some people have, you know, spatial relationships that are different. Some people are carrying, you know, shame from their child. Some people are children of hoarders and never learned. It's okay to say like, Hey, can you help me with this? You know, Mm -hmm. if you have a friend who's really good at it, can you come spend a couple hours with me on Saturday and I'll take you out for brunch? Like, don't be afraid to not know how to do it. And this is where I get so frustrated at social media because they just present the pictures of like, oh, look how easy it is. It's not easy. I have a staff of nine people. We are booked through July. Like it's really hard work. So understand that it's a big project to take on. Take it in small chunks and set yourself up for success. Yeah. I think people psych themselves out. And a recent revelation a friend of a friend and I had was for most people, discipline and commitment's not the problem. It's what they're disciplined and committed to. They might commit to too much too early and overwhelm themselves. Where if you can commit to 15, 20 minutes of declutter once a week, that shouldn't be overwhelming. And then when you start seeing the relief, I think we've all seen the commercial where they throw the sheet over the bed and they they flatten yeah. out the sheets, put the pillow in, and they stand <laughs> in the doorway with their hands on the hip, all accomplished. And, and it feels great. And you know, and then like at the end of a long day, and you walk into your room and the bed is beautifully made. That's why we like going to hotels. Yeah, we walk into a hotel, you're like, well, look at this place, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I tell people to to kind of approach it in the same way like you approach working out. Because we've all done that where you haven't been to the gym in a while, COVID. Mm-hmm. And then you like hit it and like take three classes. And then the next day you can't even walk. And then yeah. you don't go back to the gym. Or you're like, all right, let me do, you know, let me do five minutes abs today. And let me take a half an hour walk. And then the next mm-hmm. day you take a 35 minute walk. And then the next thing you know, you're running on a treadmill. So it's the same thing. Start small, get used to it, create your muscle memory. and then you know, then it'll become a way of life. Yeah. On this podcast, a lot of times we talk about when we say no rain, no rainbows, I love bringing in some of the business aspect into some of the things we do, because we talk about multiple streams of income and being creative to live our fulfilled purpose in life. Now you're in a very unique space when it comes to declutter. And a lot of people would think that's a business. So you mentioned when you had all the dots connecting hindsight from being actress, assistant, all that to coming together when you decided to make it a business. How did that play out? How did you get your first client and how does that first client differ from the clients you have booked all the way out till July? This is a fantastic story. So I was a personal assistant and I worked for a television director. So we had hiatuses. So while we had hiatuses, he would sort of say, oh, my assistant can do that. Oh, my assistant can do that. So I started just doing it 
to help people and to, you know, like, oh yeah, sure. 20 bucks here, 50 bucks here. And then it just, the word started getting out. It was like using just the network of people. Oh, Tracy can do that. Oh, my grandma passed away. Can you help me clean out her house? Can, you know, and it just started rolling. And it was a friend of mine who said, you know, I think you have a business. And I was like, what? No, this is just a thing. And he's like, Mm -hmm. no, seriously, I think you can really charge for this. And I was like, maybe. So I built a little website and I started with my network of friends and it just took off. You know, it just took off. And for me, it was really about using my existing network, right? I started, if you want to, and this is what I tell when I speak about entrepreneurship and starting your own business is start with your network of friends, make a list. Who do you know? Just tell people, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And it's a great way to test the market right? It's a great way to go like, oh, people are interested in this. People need this help. That's what happened for me. So, and then it started rolling and then I started hiring people and then I realized I wasn't charging enough. (laughs) (laughs) There was that part where I was like, I'm working for less than minimum wage because I'm working 30 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I learned some hard lessons, but again, I reached out for help. I got a business coach. You know, I always say, I don't know what I don't know. And I turned to the experts and podcasts have been amazing for learning about all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, really, I created a business out of nothing. Yeah. I I wrote down following the clues and following the breadcrumbs, right? A lot of people ask, how do you find your passion and how do you find your purpose? And people look for a big eureka moment. When sometimes it happens little by little, like you mentioned, don't just get the whole elephant. It just kind of creeps in little by little. And sometimes it's figuring, for me, it was figuring out what I didn't want to do. That was the other thing. Like, you know, I had a bookkeeping minor and I started doing books for businesses. I was like, do I want to be a CPA? Nope, not interested in this. Do I want, you know, it was a lot of, I like this part of it and I don't like that part of it. So that it was a lot of, you know, it's a little like when you're dating, you're like, Mm. well, I don't want to date that person. I want to spend the rest of my life with that person. Oh, okay. I got to like, you know, (laughs) do that. When you you find out what you don't like, you get closer to what you actually like. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that I always, you know, to tell people like, don't look at those, don't look at them as failures. Sometimes I've been reading a lot about trauma and how to kind of manage trauma in your life. And that's one of the things that a couple really interesting people are talking about is that, yes, the trauma affected you, but what skills did you grow out of the trauma? What Mm -hmm. personality traits did it make you, you know, more independent? Did it make, you know, what are the, there is positive that came out of traumatic events that Mm -hmm. we went through. So how can you look at it and go, all right, how can I use what I learned from going through that trauma to serve me going forward? You're going to love this and you have every right to use it because it's not mine to give. Here on No Rain, No Rainbows, we always say the sun doesn't help the flowers grow. It's the rain that waters the flowers. It's the hard times that create the gifts that we enjoy. That's why we say no rain, no rainbows. And speaking of which, there's something you said early on that I do want to touch on because it is a reality for folks. And, you know, it's something that we need to think about where, and I'll use myself as an example. If we have older relatives, loved ones, and we can see that they have a lot of stuff and, you know, life happens Unfortunately, family passes and then you're left with a lot of these things. How can we handle that? Is there a way, a soft, gentle, non-morbid way of decluttering? Yeah, so, if, someone's going, if someone's going through this, 
definitely get my book, Making Space Clutter Free. I have a whole section on the book about decluttering after someone's passed away. Mm -hmm. I call it the Olympics of decluttering. It's the biggest, toughest one. So it's about, you know, it's about communication. It's about working with your family. It's about really understanding the value of things, getting really clear on your emotional attachment. And I also really um, suggest to people, you know, especially my, you know, my kind of you know, my third chapter clients, my in their 70s, in their 80s, like start to declutter, you know, start to declutter yourself. Don't leave a mess. Don't leave a mess behind. Tell people what really is valuable and what's not valuable. You know, really have that conversation. I'm a big fan. I just had a client of mine who had all this beautiful jewelry, big giant rocks and like a splashy jewelry. She's 94. She's like, I'm never going to wear this again. She started giving it to her granddaughters because she said, I'd rather. And then everybody freaked out. Oh, she's getting ready to die. And I was like, well, she's 94. It's going to happen. You know, hopefully we get another good couple of years. But what she wanted to was to see her, those kids wearing it when they went out to lunch with her. She wanted to see them enjoying it before she left. So it's not as more, I think that there's real grace in passing along things before you pass, watching people enjoy it. Yeah, and I was very blessed. Yeah, I was very blessed. My grandmother gave my brother and I part of our inheritance before she passed so we could buy our first home. Oh, that's you know? amazing. Yeah. yeah. And even more so to be be a part of that. And I know I was going to say before, I know my father, for example, he's given me a watch that he had for a while. And I mean, he's in his upper seventies, but he doesn't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. But he's like, Hey, I don't wear this anymore. I'd like to see you wear it. And it's just little by little. Cause you also get to learn what's important to the ones you love so much. And the stories that come with it and things that you may never know. And it's a way that, you know, I have to imagine that very much down the road, you know, when your father's time comes, you'll have that experience of, you know, that it was important for him. You know, it wasn't just something in a drawer. It was like, he's like, I love this watch. I don't wear it anymore. And I want to see you enjoy it. And you can think about the times that you were together. So I'm all about celebrating the meaning of things, but not having it be bog us down. Yeah, no, absolutely. So one of the last questions I'm going to ask is painting that picture for folks and you've seen the faces probably hundreds of times on your clients when they have a life decluttered and they get to live their lives uninterrupted by the things around them, the jobs, or like you mentioned before, maybe that person that's <laughs> in the way. Yeah, that, that person, uh-huh. <laughs> but I guess paint that picture for our, our listeners about what it's like for your clients on the other end, or even people you've advised who've gone on that journey decluttering and they, and they call you back like Tracy. I did it. You know, the word that comes up again and again, and again, is freedom, freedom to make the choices about their life, freedom to have more money, freedom to have more time. They just feel a literal weight lifted and there's such joy. And it's like, I just, you know, they like, I just keep walking in the garage and I just keep, sorry, I have somebody, I just have somebody, you know, they just keep like, I walk in the garage and I can't stop looking at it. Or I look in my closet and I can't stop looking at it. So, you know, that's what I want people to know what's going to come on the other side. And there's going to be some hard work and there's going to be some tears. But as we all know, you know, the things that we put the work into, the payoff is even bigger. 
Yeah, it makes it all worth it on the end. Well, I want our listeners to experience that freedom. I want our viewers on YouTube to experience that freedom too, Tracy. I know the book, Making Space Clutter Free, but how can folks get in contact with you? How can folks get the book? And if they need your services, utilize that aid so they can experience that freedom in a, a Yeah, so the best way, I'm most active on Instagram at Tracy underscore McCubbin, which is M C C. U-B-B-I-N. That's my website too, tracymccubbin.com. And anybody who feels like they need a little bit extra, like I need some accountability with some like-minded people. I have a private Facebook group called Conquer Your Clutter with Tracy McCubbin. I try and go live every Wednesday night. We have themes, we have challenges. It's just a super supportive group of people. So if somebody needs a little extra coaching, that's where they can find me. That's amazing. I'll have those links in the show notes too. So folks can hop right into those uh, contacts right now and get into contact with you. Tracy, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your expertise and knowledge with us today. Thank you. I loved meeting you. I love talking to your listeners and I'm going to borrow it. No rain, no rainbows. Hey, it's yours to keep and to pass on as well. I'm going to run down some of the, the key gems that you've dropped along the way, just to make sure our listeners didn't miss it. But first, you know, if it gets in the way, it's clutter. If you want to live a life clutter free, you have to think about the things that are in your way, stopping you from living that direct free life. And also, from a failure to an asset. I love how Tracy mentioned the failures becoming the asset where the dots connected in hindsight of all the odd jobs that she's worked, leading her exactly into what she's doing now. And for a lot of us, we look at these jobs as, oh, it doesn't, I don't fit here. I don't fit here. But maybe that's just getting us one step closer to what we actually do fit in. Uh, Does your stuff own you? Look around. There are things that we apply meaning to, as Tracy mentioned, that just don't have that much significant or that much weight. So having the ability to just understand the meaning, how significant it is, and maybe let that thing go can start providing some freedom. And then as you declutter your life, your stress can decrease. And we're talking about the true cost of things, not just how much it was when you bought it, but how much is it to keep it? Is it costing you money? Is it costing you stress? Is it costing you time? And I promise you, all the things in your life are costing you something. And then finally, start small. Don't eat the whole entire elephant. Go little by little. Maybe tackle a corner of a room and then another corner. And when you finish that room, you stack those accomplishments, go on a winning streak and keep it going throughout the rest of your household and your life. And you can enjoy the freedom of a decluttered life, as Tracy mentioned. Tracy, thank you one more time for being on. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And to all the listeners that made it to the end, we appreciate you rocking with us. If you think someone in your life could use this, if they need to declutter themselves, go ahead and share the episode with them. It would mean the world to us. And go ahead, hit that subscribe button to get a new episode each and every single week. Leave us a rating and let us know how we're doing. The only way we can improve is if you let us know where we're falling short and we are here to serve you. So we'd love to hear from you and make sure you subscribe. And if you love the podcast, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. You can get some extra audio from guests like Tracy and more and some extra pictures and behind the scenes things as well. As we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.